is bigger than uh, the norm. I love it when God lets me come and be a part of something that is, that is bigger, that is greater than any one person, than any one group. And, and folks, you need to understand this morning that, that Summit Church is more than, than just a church. It's a movement of God. You all are sitting here this morning, and you're really, really, literally in the midst of a movement of God. It's a miracle. What God is doing here in Hazard, Kentucky, is a model for every city in eastern Kentucky. And so I'm grateful today to be here with you all, to have this time to share with you guys, to, uh, to be able to be with you all is, is an incredible honor. It's a great honor for me to be here with you. And I just feel like I've kind of been let out of the cage today to come. So I appreciate it. I'm so thankful for your pastor, thankful for Brother Mark, thankful for his heart, thankful for his spirit, thankful for just uh, the vision that he has for this city. And you all are not even getting started yet. I mean, you all are just not even started yet. And God is doing such a wonderful thing. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And I am here this morning on assignment. I have an assignment that God has given me, and I'm going to find this music stand so I can set my stuff on it. Do that. There we go. Preacher's got to have a place to put his stuff. Amen. So Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to be today, and uh, it's a very familiar passage in the Gospels is a passage that deals with the talents, and so it's a passage, a parable that Jesus told. Parable is just a natural story uh, that has a supernatural meaning, and so this morning as we look at that, I, I want us to get, get, get in our Bibles there, Matthew chapter 25, and as you're doing that, I want to tell you about a story about two men, a man by the name of Walter and a man by the name of Arthur, and these two men were great friends. And they happened to be good friends, and they were out on a drive. One day, Walter took Arthur out on a drive, and it seemed like they were going on and on and on and on forever and ever and ever. They were like 25 miles out from any place. And yet, on this countryside, out in the groves of trees, there's there's large, uninhabited place of land, and horses are grazing over the pasture, and some of the some of the shacks are out there, and it's just, 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 just the middle of nowhere, and Walter stops the car, and when he stops the car, he takes Arthur, he says, man, you need to get out of the car, and he starts to describe this great thing that's about to happen right here in the middle of no place. He starts to describe with great vividness the wonderful things that he's going to build on this land, and he wanted his friend Arthur to buy up the land that was surrounding this land so that he could share in the blessing of what was about to happen, to get in on the ground floor. So Arthur thought to himself, who in the world is going to drive 25 miles out in the middle of nowhere to be a part of something that is just a pipe dream, that's never going to get off the ground in the first place? And then Walter looked at Arthur and he said to him, He said, I can handle the main project myself, but it's going to take all the money that I have. But the land that's bordering this project, where we're standing right now, 
We'll be jammed in for years to come with hotels and restaurants and convention halls and and it's going to have to have all these things to accommodate all the people who are going to want to come to this place and who want to spend their vacation here at my park. He said, Arthur, I want you to have the first chance at this surrounding property because in the next five years, it's going to increase several hundred times in value. Well, Arthur looked at himself and he said, I, I, you know what, Walter, I appreciate you bringing me out here. I appreciate you doing this. But he was like, what could I say? This was a pipe dream. I knew this was not going to come to anything. I knew that this was uh, not something that I could uh, look into. And so I promised him I would think about it and I would let him know in the near future what I would do. But he knew he wasn't going to do anything. Arthur recalled as they walked back to the car, Walter looked at him and he says, later on it's going to be too late, Arthur. You'd better move right now. Because this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Now what Art Linkletter didn't understand was that his friend, Walt Disney, had just taken him out to the place where Disneyland was about to be built. And it just allowed him to be on the ground floor of buying the land surrounding Disneyland that would about to change the way people vacation forever and ever. It was a crazy thing. It was unbelievable to Art, but Walt seen it. Walt understood that it was the opportunity of a lifetime. Well, Summit Church, what I want you to understand this morning is that I believe right here in this place this morning, there is an opportunity of a lifetime that is seated and seated right before you as a church to be a part of something that is so much greater than yourself so that you can actually be the change that God wants you to be to make a kingdom impact in this community to, to believe God to do something so much more than you could ever ask or think or imagine. And that can begin right now in your life, in your heart, in your church as God leads you to come together. You see, God wants this church to make such an impact that the, the reverbs of it are going out all across this southeastern part of Kentucky, all across the Commonwealth of Kentucky, all across America, and all across the world. God wants you all to make such a dent that you turn this community upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe I should say right side up. This church needs to be the church where the broken and the downtrodden can come and find healing and forgiveness. This church needs to be the church where families can come and marriages can come and can get back on track. This church needs to be the church that strikes fear in the hearts of drug dealers across this community and across this area. This church needs to be the church where darkness is being pushed back, lives are being transformed, and God alone is being glorified. You see... We have an opportunity of a lifetime that's seated right before us to be the change that God has called us to be in this community. So what I want to do today is I want us to walk through this parable that Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 25. And I'm simply going to ask all of us three questions from this parable. And, and they're questions that, that honestly 
Summit Church needs to ask. Central Church and Corbin needs to ask. But there are also churches that, that you as families need to ask together. And that you as individuals need to ask individually. Because these questions are questions about what in the world you're doing with your life. What in the world are you doing with the life that God has given you? Listen, if God has given you a life today and you're alive, say amen. About half of you are alive. That's a good thing. What I want to tell you is, for those of you who are alive and those of you that don't know that you're alive yet this morning, God has given you an incredible gift in being alive. And God wants to ask the question this morning, what in the world are you doing with this life that God has given you? So, the first question is found in verses 14 and 15 in Matthew chapter 25. And this is the question. Do you know your purpose? Do you know your purpose? Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Read along with me in your, in your Bibles. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one to each according to his, his ability. And then he said, and then he went his way. And, and, and he had received uh, five talents, went at once and traded them and made five more talents. And he had made two talents, made two more. And he who had received the one talent went and dug a hole and hid his master's money. Now I want to kind of set up the scene for you this morning so you can understand what's going on in this passage. You see, what you have here is you have a master who's going away on a long journey, and he's leaving his servants. He's entrusting his servants with his business dealings. Now, in the first century, this wouldn't have been very uncommon. I mean, this would have, this would have been a very common thing to have happen because people in that day who were wealthy and had affluence, uh, they were people who had all kinds of servants to do all kinds of different things. This man had, a, had servants who could deal with even his business matters and deal with them in his stead while he is away. Now what's important to understand is that this servant, the master, gave the servants responsibilities. You today, I today, have been given responsibilities. And and it says here that he gives them this weird word. He says he gives them talents. To one of them he gives five, to another gives two, to another gives one. Now you might be asking the question this morning, what in God's name is a talent? Well, the only thing I can tell you about a talent is that it simply is a designated amount of money. And to one of them he gave five, and to one he gave two, and to one he gave one. It really doesn't matter this morning how much he gave each of the servants. What matters this morning is that He gave them responsibilities. And that reality brings us back to the question, do you know your purpose? Uh, The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Uh, We love those verses, don't we? I mean, don't, don't you just love those first two verses? I mean, we're saved by grace through, that's like church people's national anthem, right? Saved by grace through faith. Well, I'm saved, well, I'm saved by grace through faith. That's, that's, that's my national anthem. That, that's my banner, that's what I hold up, saved by grace. All right, 
Well, look at the next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, what these verses are teaching us is that God hasn't saved you today so that you can sit on your blessed assurance. God hasn't saved you today so that you can give yourself a self-hug and say, oh, I'm saved by grace, I'm saved by grace. God hasn't saved you today simply so that you can say, oh, I'm saved, I feel better about myself now. No, God has saved you to make a difference. God has called, saved you and called you to do something with what he has put inside you this morning. Christ Jesus has made us his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God has given every one of his children a specific function in his kingdom to fulfill. You need to understand that this morning, Summit Church. If you're here and you're a part of this church, you ought to be serving in this church. Because God has placed you here not just to sit, but to serve. I want, to, I want, to, I want you to look at this verse. 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, multicolored grace. In other words, there's two things you need to understand about this verse. Number one, every believer has received at least one spiritual gift. God saved you and gifted you when he saved you to do something for his kingdom and for his church and for his glory. And two, we are to use the gifts that God has given us to serve for the building up of the kingdom of God. You know, how many of y'all are Tim Tebow fans this morning. Okay, I got one clap. Thank you. I'm glad. Yes! Tim Tebow. You know what I love about Tim Tebow? He absolutely understands exactly who he is. You know, if you were to go to 99.5% of all NFL players, and if you were to ask them, who are you? Those professional football players would look at you and they say, I play professional football in the NFL. That's who I am. I am the NFL. And yet, if you were to go and ask Tim Tebow that same question, you would get a completely different answer. Because you see, Tebow is not about football first. Tebow is about Jesus first and everything else after that. Matter of fact, he once said, it's pretty easy for me to say that the most important thing in my life is my relationship with Jesus Christ, followed by my relationship with my family. And football is later on down the line. You see, Tebow understands this morning his purpose is to build hospitals in the Philippines. And so you see, where so many would have made football the means and the ends of all their life, you see, Tebow understands that football is just a means to fulfill the ends of doing what God wants him to do. And I want to ask you this morning, have you made that connection in your life? Have you made the connection that the things that you can do, the talents that you have, the wealth that you have, the things that you can do, those things God has given you not as a means and an ends, just so you can enjoy them. But God has given you those things to the end 
that you might bring great glory to his son, Jesus Christ, through the local church. Now, this morning, each one of you all, when you came in, you got one of these things right here. If you got one of these, hold it up right now. I just want you to do that. Get it out. Hold it up. He told you he was going to need the thing. Now you're going to need it. The first step this morning is to understand that this dollar bill that you're holding in your hand, it, 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 it might be symbolic today of the talent that God has given you. It might be representative of the responsibility that the Lord has given you this morning. And the question is, how can I take this thing that the Lord has given me to fulfill His purpose in my life? And that's the question that we ought to be asking this morning, not just about this dollar bill, but about everything that God has given us in our life. How can we use this thing, whatever it is that God has given us, because everything you got, God gave it to you, right? How can I use these things that God has given me to be the person that he wants me to be, to fulfill the purpose that he has for my life? My time, my talents, my resources, everything I have comes from the good hand of the Lord above. How can I use these things to fulfill his purpose for me? And that leads to a second question this morning. Not just do you know what your purpose is, but what are you doing to make a difference? What are you doing to make a difference? Now you notice that these three servants are given these different items. There are some one's given five talents, one's given two talents, and one's given one talent. Do you, do you, do you, do you, do you understand what they're doing here? Look again at verse 16. It says, the one who received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also the one who had two talents, he made two more. But the one who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, how would you describe this morning the impact that you're making? For the gospel of Jesus. Would you call yourself industrious this morning? Would you say that, that you're waiting on something before you can make a difference? You know, as I study this passage, it's clear to me that the servants of the master understood that they were called by the master to make a difference with what the master had given them. We all have a responsibility to do something with the abilities and with the resources that the Lord puts into our care. God expects us to be His hands and His feet in this world for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of His kingdom, for the sake of His glory. He expects all of us to look around us at the needs that are around us every single day and do something about it. And be the change that God has called us to be. Take, for example, a problem that we don't talk about in Kentucky. But it's a problem. It's a rampant problem. It's the poverty problem in this, in this state. 16.9% of all Kentuckians live in poverty this morning. That's over 684,000 people, people. 
By one estimate, a child is born into poverty in Kentucky every 44 minutes. Many of the folks that are in poverty live in our region of this state. I actually did a study of, of my region, the Tri-County area where I live, Knox, Whitley, and Laurel County. And I actually did a study of Perry County, Hazard, Kentucky, Perry County. And the study revealed to me that 29.6% of Perry County is living in poverty this morning. What about hunger? Well, wherever there's poverty, there's hunger issues. I see it every week in the people that we're ministering to there in Corbin. I can tell you, Mark sees it every week. I can tell you this morning, are there any school teachers in the house? Are there any school teachers? If you're a school teacher here, stand up right now. Stand up. All right. Thank you very much. These people, these people live in a world we can't understand. But if you don't think there's a poverty problem in Perry County and Hazard, you go to one of these people that just stood up and you ask them about the kids that are coming to their class hungry in the morning because they didn't get to eat the night before. You ask them about the kids who are relying on the backpack programs and the things like that so that they can have something to eat when they go home at night. Ask them about that. Ask them about the people who are relying on the food they receive from school and they have to hide it from their parents and hide it from the brothers and sisters so that they don't steal it to go and sell it to buy more drugs with. That is the culture that we're living with. Now you might ask the question, preacher, why are you spouting off about this this morning? Why are you bringing the guilt trip on us this morning about the poverty and the hunger in our area? I'm doing that because I believe we can make a difference. I believe we can be the change in Perry County about the poverty and the hunger issues that are there. I believe Central Church in Corbin can be the change in Corbin, Kentucky of the poverty and the hunger issues that are there. Now, I'm not saying this morning that we're going to end the poverty problem in the world. I mean, I, I know what Jesus said. I know the verse. Some of y'all have already been quoting it in your little hearts this morning. I know the verse, what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 26, verse 11. The poor you will always have with you. Let's always say that together this morning, all right? Because it's cathartic, isn't it? The poor you will always have with you, right? But this is what we've done in the church. We have used that verse for far too long to be a get-out-of-doing-anything-for-the-poor free card. We've used that verse to say, oh, you know, the poor you're always going to have with you. Jesus said it. Can't do anything about it. Let's go on get in our Lexus and go home. Listen, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Listen, every single one of us are building something this morning, and God is saying to you, and God is saying to me, and God is saying to the church today, let us be careful how we're building God has given us responsibility to do something with the talents and the resources that he's given us. So, 
let me tell you what we're going to do today. Now, we're not doing this because I want to do it. I want you to know this is in your pastor's heart this morning. This is something that he has prayed about and that God led him to do. It's something that God led us to do in Corbin, Kentucky. A bunch of churches got together and we handed out dollars just like we handed out to you all this morning. And God led us to do it. God's led your pastor to do it. So I'm going to tell you what we're going to do this morning. We're going to load up in our cars when this service is over. And we're going to Walmart. Now, now some of y'all are saying, no, 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 Pastor, you don't, you don't understand. Applebee's is waiting for me. I saw the Applebee's when I came in. You know, no, no, preacher, you don't understand. We always go to Grandma's house to have dinner after church on Sunday. Listen, let me tell you something. Applebee's can wait. Applebee's will be there after you get done at Walmart. And Grandma, she can keep that stir of stuff stirring on the stove. Grandma will still be there after you get done at Walmart. Let me tell you what we're going to do this morning. We are going to get out of this place. We are going to go and get into our cars, and we are going to go to Walmart. And you know what they got at Walmart? They got food. They've got all kinds of food. It's disgusting how much food they have at Walmart. But I want you to know, you can take this dollar. Some of you are going to feel led to give a lot more than just a dollar because you're going to get in there and you're going to get happy and you're going to get excited about this and 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 you're going to you're going to give fifty dollars you're going to you're going to buy a hundred dollars worth of groceries and you know what when you get out of this place now we've already called walmart mark's called them they're ready they're waiting for us right now they're he's called they're waiting they're ready they got spaghettios out they got stuff out they got stuff for us to buy and you know what once you buy your food when you walk outside the Walmart, there's going to be a U-Haul, right? There's going to be a U-Haul outside of the Walmart. And you all can just take the bags that you've purchased and you just put them in the U-Haul. And I'll tell you what Summit Church is going to do. Summit Church is going to take every single thing that you buy and they're going to take that to the local homeless shelter. And it is going to be used. To buy food for hungry, poor folks that need a blessing and need a touch from God. Now, I know some of y'all are cynics. Because there's always a cynic. Even in church plants, are cynics. I got bunches of cynics because my church is old. It's like 90 years old. And we got bunches of old people in our church. And they sit back in their back and they say, Preacher, let's be if you can. There's some of you in here. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you know, what, what good's it going to do to give these people a meal? What good's it going to do? Because they're just going to eat that meal and then they're going to be hungry again. And they're just going to keep on being poor. And they're going to keep on being hungry. There's nothing we can do about it. Listen. Can I tell you all something this morning? 
There is power in the church of the living God. Coming together to do something for those who cannot do something for themselves. God uses the church of the living God to be the change in the community that he calls him to be. You see, this is not just about serving people boxes of food. Listen, the Salvation Army can do that. This is not just about bringing food to hungry folks. Anybody can do that. This is about the church of God rising up to do this. And the hope is, is that these people will see, listen, we're giving you this food. We're giving you this. But listen, listen. We're doing this because you eat this food, you're going to be hungry again. But oh, if you could eat of the bread that comes down from heaven, you're not going to ever be thirsty again. You're not going to ever be hungry again. Because Jesus can fill your souls. And you see, because Jesus has filled our souls, we are coming today to feed your souls with the gospel. So you see today, the question is, do you know your purpose? The question is, do you want to make a difference? The last question is, are you ready to stand before God? And before I get to this question, can I, can I make a note here just for all the little hungry kids in Perry County that are going to be blessed through this? When you go to Walmart, and we're getting ready to go, don't buy lima beans. Don't do that. Now, I listen, I understand. Some of you like lima beans, and lima beans are good, and you, you think they're healthy and they're good. Listen, not everybody likes lima beans. So when you go buy stuff that you would want to eat, all right? Do that. It's good. All right. Are you ready to stand before God? Look at verse 19. It says, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came home and settled accounts with them. And to the one who had received five talents, he came forward, bringing five more talents. I want to be that guy. He who had been given five he came back with five more. He says, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, I want to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. And the same thing happened with the, the guy who had two talents. He came four, and he had two more talents. And the, once again, the master said, well done. Enter into your joy. But, look at verse 24. The one who received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you had scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Then I went and I hid the talent in the ground. Here is what is yours. But the Master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. Could I give you the Chad paraphrase of that verse? You low down, no good slave. You knew that I reap where I had not sowed, and I gathered where I had not scattered no seed. Then you ought to have been investing my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has been given, he will have an abundance. And from the one who has not, 
even what he has will be taken away. He cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Very quickly, let me say this. You and I are going to be held accountable for the talents that God gives us. We're going to be held accountable. What did we do with our our talents that God has given us? What do we do with the motives, with the words, the deeds of our lives? Just as the master came back and settled accounts with his servants, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is coming back, and he is going to settle accounts with his servants, and that's his church. Two, God is not concerned about the amount that we do, but with the faithfulness with which we do it. Notice that the two servants who bring back different levels of profit receive the same reward. Both are committed by their master and both are permitted to enter into the joy of their master. Listen, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. In that day, we're all going to be standing illumined by the glory of the face of the risen Jesus Christ. And some of us are going to stand there basking. Some of us are going to be our face bowing. But others are going to be standing there ashamed. His mistake, the mistake of the one who had the one and buried his talents, was that he didn't know his master. He didn't know the true heart of his master. Others of us know our master, but we're not doing anything about it. Today's the day to do something about it. I want today to be a catalytic event in your life. And it doesn't matter today if you're young or old or somewhere in between. It doesn't matter if you're 8 or 12 or 15 or if you're 30, or if you're 50, or if you're 80 this morning. I want today to be a catalytic event in your life. Now, i tell you what we do at our church. I don't know what y'all do here. Y'all are a church plant, and you're young, and you're hip, and you're cool, and we're none of that. I'm just being honest. I'm preaching up here. i got to be. I don't know what y'all do at the end of your service, but what we do at our church is we have a time for people to respond. And maybe that's going out the door, responding. Maybe that's coming down here. But a lot of times we ask people to come come to the front. We, we do that at our church. But I want to tell you, that would be the wrong way for us to end this service. The way for us to respond today is to get up out of our seats and go to Walmart. The way for us to respond today is to get up out of our seats and go to Walmart. I'm going to get an amen if I have to say it five times. The way for us to end this service today is to get up out of our seats and go to Walmart. Listen, if you're here and God's laid some decision on your heart, 
then you get it to one of the service managers. You do that. But we're going to pray right now. And after we pray, we're headed to Walmart right now. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for those who are even going out the door today. Thank you for what the impact you're going to make with this service. We love you. We praise you. And let us go now into the harvest that you prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank <laughs> you.